0: This episode of Laser Time is brought to you by Quip. Save ten bucks on replacement brush heads by going to tryquip.com/laser time. And gentlemen, welcome to Laser Time, the internet's seventeenth leading pop culture show. Where each week we pick a new topic, grab some experts, rattle off some information, maybe some multimedia clips. Maybe not so much this ep- episode, but we tripled down on the expert. Ah, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. It was with me. It's me, Sarah, and extremely special guest.
1: Aww.
0: Yeah, yeah, Ma- Mallory O'Meara. Mallory O'Meara. Mallory O'Meara, author of the new book, "The Lady from the Black Lagoon," all about. I can't stop saying Maleficent in my head. Millicent. Millicent Patrick, um, the unsung creator designer of the creature from the Black
2: Lagoon. Yeah, one yeah. of my
0: favorite universe. It, it might be my favorite Universal monster movie, but it's it's got personal stuff with me. We'll talk mm-hmm. about that as we go on. And host of the show Reading Glasses on the Max Max Fun Network. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for coming by.
3: Thanks for having me.
0: How long has the book been out?
3: Ah, uh, about a month. About a month? Yes. Okay, I had plenty Came of time out March to 7th. read it. So, <laughs> I, had plenty,
0: I had plenty of time to read it, but the instant Sarah told me about it, I was like, "What?" What for several reasons that, like, A, I've never heard of this. If you haven't heard from me on the show, I'm from a little town called Tallahassee, Florida. We have had very few movies here, mm-hmm. uh, shot here, like uh, something wild, really good movie that's like for some reason shot here for Philadelphia.
1: Yes, uh, not to be confused with Wild Things, which no, I always think that's. What I it wish, is. I it's wish, not. W- no, something
0: wild is better than Wild <laughs> Things. Yeah, yeah. It's so much more sadistic. And recount the movie about True. the terrible 2000 election, where um, <laughs> another kind of
1: horror <laughs> and, movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, just outside, like 20 minutes outside of town. Used to be a prime Hollywood location called Whakola Springs, mm-hmm. and that's where they shot *Creature from the Black Lagoon*. And you have a lovely history of *Creature from the Black Lagoon*, don't you? Yes, Mallory,
3: we're be- we're besties. Yeah, <laughs> just, just, yeah,
0: because like my history with it was just as a little kid with a black and white television and no cable. Mm-hmm. You'd see these monster movies late at night, and I always tell people because sometimes people bitch at me for doing too many. When Halloween comes around, I love the Universal classic monster stuff, but like, no
3: other time of the year.
0: Not, not well. Just that we do theme shows about it. Oh, there you go. And mm-hmm. and I always tell people like the the creature is always put up next to like Dracula and Frankenstein, but there are twenty years in between that. It's yes. like comparing. Avengers: Infinity War to Shazam, yes. like there twenty years of <laughs> filmmaking occurred in between that. It's in widescreen. Dracula is very slow moving. It's it's uh, but like creature is like dude, it's legit. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a super fun movie. And when I moved out of Florida, it be got pushed into more rotation because it reminded me of home. Mm-hmm. And because uh, if you didn't, you know this, but like all the underwater sequences were shot there.
3: Yes, they were.
0: Yeah, because Wakulla Springs used to be, you know, okay, Florida works, what is it, on a giant aquifer? Yes. And there's all this essentially. pure water. And then that's how you get sinkholes because the water yes. goes through, crumbles a limestone, the earth caves in. And that's essentially how the spring forms, but you get water that's never seen the light of day. So, Hollywood had to, when Universal wanted to make this movie about an underwater monster, they had to find the clearest water possible. And I think they'd shot the Tarzan movies here a little while earlier. I think
1: so, yeah. It's so
0: weird to see the Deep South double for the jungle. I, but, but, uh,
1: it's very different than South Florida. But for
0: yeah, sure. so you go down, like, the town has a kind of a personal connection with creature, but you do too, despite like growing up in like the well the east coast right
3: yeah i'm from new england but i i'm the only person in my family who's a really huge horror nut mm-hmm. so i had to give myself a horror education and when i was a teenager i decided to go back to the roots and w- watched all the classic universal monster movies mm-hmm. like you said creature is one of them even though he is a little bit removed from the rest of the dudes mm-hmm. and lady I have to count bride Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, and so he was the last one that I watched and when I was 17 and I watched it and fell in love with the movie yeah and after I watched it I wanted to you know do the nerd thing look up how it was how it was made how it was shot underwater who designed that suit and I found out something that changed my life I found out that a woman had designed that monster Millicent Patrick and that directly led to me becoming a filmmaker today. How did you find that out?
0: Because like, like I said, I, I have a little bit of creature knowledge just from growing up here. I've read about the film. I've never heard that. Not until I heard of your book. Never.
3: The internet.
0: I, I never, heard, But I'd never heard of Millicent uh, uh, Patrick.
2: Mm-hmm. Millicent Patrick. Never,
0: I'd never heard that before. So not only are you elaborating on an anecdote. I don't know. Like um, you m- make a point in your book. And I don't know how to phrase this appropriately being the dude. But that... Nobody bothered to look into this this nope. whole fucking time. Nope. Uh, they had time to look into it. And I was trying to think of similar instances. And like, it only reminded me of a. There was a documentary about it recently Batman and Bill. Yep. Bill Finger being the guy mm-hmm. who. But he wasn't really pursuing credit and they couldn't get a lawyer involved because there was no money until they found a next of kin. Mm-hmm. And that way a lawyer would get involved and start and get to get. But there's there was no one out there for Millicent at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really do. I really do like your
2: book. Thank you. Uh,
0: so far. Uh, because. It's part it's partly about your journey. Like I I always imagine I talked to Sarah about that, just like I could probably write a book, but like you gotta go further than the internet. Yeah. And it's this it's like half not half, but this little story of you running around LA trying to find people related to this person who died in nineteen ninety eight yeah
1: that was one of my favorite things about the book is the idea of sitting down to write a non-fiction book that is this compelling like it i didn't even know where to begin and i loved that you included your research process (laughs) and your writing process in the book it made it a journey like much
3: more than i expected so i really loved that well yeah like you said so millicent design creature from the black lagoon and for a really long time Nobody knew that. So, what happened, long story very short, when Millicent designed Creature, they sent her out on a press tour to promote the movie as the beauty who designed The Beast. But her boss at the Universal Monster Shop, a man named Bud Westmore, was so credit hungry and jealous of all the attention she was going to receive. He said, No, you can't do that. You have to rebrand the tour as The Beauty Who lives with the beast. So she mm-hmm. went from being creature's creator to being his roommate,
2: which is really <laughs> lame.
3: And so they sent her out on this tour anyway. And he was like, okay, cool. This is going to be fine. Except you have to lie to everybody and tell them that I designed it, mm-hmm. not you. And she still did it. She still went out on tour and he was, Watching her, you know, be on TV, interviewed by newspapers and magazines and radio shows. And he was still so jealous, even though she was lying and saying that she was just there for publicity and she didn't design it, that he fired her. And when she came back from her tour, she had no job, never worked behind the scenes ever again. He took the credit for creating the creature. And even though there was, you know, some photographic evidence, there was, you know, the people, other people who worked on the movie all said, oh, yeah, it was Millicent who designed this for... Over six decades, people have not really known about her because she was overlooked because she was a woman. I had historians that said, oh, yeah, I've seen pictures of her working on the creature, but I just think she was somebody's girlfriend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, So all these pieces were lying around for so long, and I was the first one to pick them up and say, no, 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 a lady designed this. Mm-hmm. And she did so, so much more than that, which is really, really cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And, and uh, you, I, I don't know. I thought I saw a point in your book like no one's going after... Looking at the women behind some of this old Hollywood shit, mm-hmm. and I, I don't know why, but I think you're absolutely right because I've you been, don't
3: know why. Well, I've just <laughs> <laughs> no, no.
0: I just I don't know why that I Sexism, I don't because even yeah. I don't think about that as someone yeah. who does read biographies on like Disney, for instance. Like I remember mm-hmm. learning that there were that many female animators in the process, like in my twenties. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like it's not mentioned. And granted, uh, creature were they still. All the credits were up front so there's like yes. there's maybe 20 people credited
3: yeah that was the other problem is back then in the 1950s it wasn't like a 10 minute end crawl yeah. like mm-hmm. we have now is that only the production heads got credit for stuff so you can get away with it there was no twitter there's no imdb yeah. to look things up so it wasn't even just millicent who was getting missed out on it was a lot of other great artists and people who worked on these films that were just no one knew about them
2: mm-hmm.
0: yeah but but uh millicent or Patrick is just is is kind of pivotal in all these little cornerstones of things that I absolutely love.
3: I know. She's your girl and you uh, didn't even know it. I had no
0: fucking clue. It like it both I am very happy you wrote the book, but it also there's a little rage. Here's a tiny bit of rage. Uh <laughs> but <laughs> just because I hate that shit. I like I hate the idea like well it just
1: Oh, that she's well you, you been ever, forgotten for so long. That's I, I've where been the doing rage comes from. Imagine how we feel. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well I, I, I just that um Welcome been, to Rage. I've been doing
0: a podcast for a long time and sometimes you just get that feeling. Is there anything left to uncover and this? In just reading the book, like, well, maybe there's a fucking lot left to uncover. Yes. yes, the idea that this this woman is like her Wikipedia page has slowly formed since you've written the book,
3: and it's still wrong. And it's still <laughs> 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 that's just the nature of Wikipedia at this yeah. point. I think and people keep asking me why I'm not correcting it. I'm like, no, dude, you have to write yeah. the book. Yeah, just. Yeah. You you did better than Wikipedia. I, know, I yeah. wrote yeah. the book on it. Just buy that. Yeah, yeah the, Wikipedia is still full of it. Like, yeah. I actually haven't looked at it since the book came out, mm-hmm. but I'm assuming it's still full of garbage, mm-hmm. uh, Yeah,
0: fine. It, it, it's just too short. It doesn't mention any of the stuff that like really went down or why yeah. anything happened. All the really mm-hmm. fascinating stuff that's in the book, which I would like to talk to you a little bit about more when we get back from this short break. I'm a little under the weather right now, so it's got me thinking about my health or is it this copy? Because one of the because one of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth and it's absolutely ridiculous how many people are doing it ineffectively. I made the switch to an electric toothbrush and I won't even go back to a regular toothbrush while camping. That's why there's quip right now by going to tryquip.com slash lasertime the simple, elegant electric toothbrush that costs a fraction of those other toothbrushes you'll find in stores. I love it. It's got a gentle, sensitive sonic vibration, and it's got a built-in timer that tells you when to switch sides. Even better, you can take it on the go. You don't have to camp with a regular toothbrush. Take Quip with you. All this and more is why Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association, and you can get it for as low as $25. They'll even send you replacement brush heads so you don't have to think about it. You can save $10 on those replacement on those replacement brush heads by going to tryquip.com slash lasertime. Once again, to save 10 bucks on refills, go to TriQuip. T-R-Y-Q-U-I-P dot com lasertime. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more, 30, 20, and 10 years ago, this very week, with our show, 302010. Here's a clip from 1999. <laughs>
2: The past. No one can be told what the Matrix is. Whoa. You have to see it for yourself. The Matrix.
0: So one thing that still sticks out this silly to me. No one can be told what the Matrix is. It's a place where they farm human beings to be batteries? (laughs) Yes you can't. I think it's brilliant. I think it's one I think and guess I'm gonna say it again. I think it's Mm -hmm. my generation of Star Wars.
1: Uh, okay.
0: Let's not pretend Mm. Star Wars doesn't have bad sequels.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And bad dialogue, yeah. And bad dialogue.
0: And, and when you watch oh, wow. it right now, it doesn't look like... Like, this has an independent movie budget?
2: Mm-hmm. Holy mm-hmm. shit,
0: this looks fantastic. Yeah. And it's, it's visionary, yeah. it's beautiful world-building, I think it's a fucking timeless film, because it's set in a date that even the characters don't know that they're in. Uh, it's beautiful. Yeah.
1: This movie lives better in my memory than... I have a better time talking about it and thinking about it, and... Remembering my good times of this movie than I actually did rewatching
0: it. I would watch it right now. That's hmm. how I feel. Yeah. And I would watch yeah. it. I would watch it on the grave of 10 things I hate about you. There I said it.
3: I'm
2: trying you to haven't antagonize even you.
1: seen that movie? Wow.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Chris, if you had to recommend one movie, Matrix or Heathers?
1: Ooh, a real Sophie's choice here.
0: Heathers won't create a bunch of trench coat wearing school shooting red pillars.
3: <laughs> Strangely enough, it won't compare to The Matrix. Weird. That is weird. It's so crazy. Wow. The movie? About trench coat wearing school shooters. I know.
0: I know. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three. Hey there, everybody. Chris here with a little laser Time update. Gotta say, as always, thank you folks for listening and continuing to listen and all of your patience. We've had more than a few technical problems in the last week. Plus, I'm sick as a dog while simultaneously working on those dreaded taxes. And you longtime listeners know how great I am at those. But if you did get a refund this year, I want you to... I want you to maybe consider supporting the Laser Time network on patreon.com/lasertime. Man, you guys have been supporting us for what, 6 6 years? And Patreon makes it really really easy. For the price of a fast food combo every month, you can ensure your favorite podcast continues to exist. And we're not asking for it for free. Uh, We got two new bonus episodes up this week exclusively for patrons. This week's bonus time uh, features one of my favorite people in the whole universe, Tyler Wilde. If you listen to Video Game Apocalypse, uh, you can see that Tyler and I almost ruined the whole show because we are having so much fun, and we haven't podcasted together in a while. And we haven't talked in person in a while, so instead of texting each other, we just we decided to catch up uh, while talking to each other, but on microphones. And hopefully it'll make up for uh, the missing episode last week, because it's huge. I'm not one to boast about the lengths of shows, but I'm really proud of this one. We talk a little a bit about nostalgia, video games, our work, but we do delve into some serious stuff, like therapy, depression, and yes, our first year as single men and very rusty with the dating scene. The whole episode is filled with pretty damn honest subject matter, the kind we haven't really ever talked about on a podcast before, and you can get that at patreon.com slash later time. Oh, but that's not else. If self-loathing reflection isn't your thing, too bad. We have another episode of 302010's Listener Strike Back episode. That's where T3's audience gets to correct us on all the things and all the anniversaries, on all the anniversaries we celebrated on 302010. So this week we're talking a, fun, a ton of fun stuff that turned 30 or twenty ten years old, including stuff like Quantum Leap, Farscape, and ooh, everyone's got thoughts on Zack Snyder's The Watchman. Again, we urge you to support the Laser Time Patreon if you can. Five bucks a month is all we're asking. If you want to give more than that, that's fine. If you want to give less than that, that would make you the majority of our listeners. I'm just kidding. We appreciate our patrons, and that's why we offer over 100 bonus podcasts, exclusive videos, and over 100 full-length movie commentaries. And on that note, By next month, we want to make a return to the Monday Night Movie commentaries, as well as a brand new Patreon exclusive show to add to stuff like bonus time and uh, Elm Street Nightmare. So, hey, why not toss us a little support? Why don't you? Patreon.com slash lasertime. Five bucks. You can do it. I know you can. coming in with that wonderful timeless creature from black lagoon music which is so jarring and for me i didn't realize it wasn't you hear the music from the movie in like a ton of commercials yeah and sound drops it's a, i don't know if it was exclusively made for a creature from black lagoon but i think it became somewhat stock mm. in things trying it's so to so good yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's really good and again that movie is fantastic and i can't believe i didn't know someone else might have designed the first creature having seen the next two creatures where they essentially put a wrestler in a Halloween mask. <laughs> and it looks it's so riff. silly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I'm really excited because I actually have never seen the movie. Mm-hmm. My, so my connection with Creature is just from living in Tallahassee and going mm-hmm. and swimming in Wakulla Springs. And also, <laughs> growing up, I grew up, uh, I had 18 cousins. And we all kind of had the run in my grandmother's house. And she lived on a bay over a dock. And so one way she would make us come in is yell when it got dark, like, you have to come in before dark or the gill man who lives under the dock will get you. (laughs) And so, and we had... In the house, like a little um, action figure of the creature, oh. and so I mainly know him as the Gill Man under the, who lives under my grandma's dock. Uh, okay, me. I'm
3: switching over. I want to know all. I want to know <laughs> him as the Gill Man who yeah. lives under your grandma's dock. <laughs> I, I thought i the Gill Man in certain. He figures. is. Yeah. They do call him the Gill Man in the movie, and he's like I, people like call him Creature mm-hmm. Gill Man. I call him Creech because mm-hmm. we're, mm-hmm. we're best friends.
0: <laughs> I was actually gonna try and bring you uh, my buddy restores pinball machines.
3: Oh no, shit. Yeah,
0: and you ever did you ever see the creature? pinball machine
3: Yeah, my uh, my friend Scott Wampler who I did a um event with in Austin, we mm-hmm. screened Creature in 3D and before the oh, event 3D. Yeah, he took me out to play the Creature pinball machine in Austin, which is super fun.
2: Which is weird cuz cool.
0: Adam, he's been on the show before. He clued me into he's like he's like actually like have you ever looked closely at it? I'm like I guess I haven't. I see the big thing on the top, the creature yeah. on the top. It's like it's not themed for the creature at all. It's yeah. it's themed after movies of the 1950s. Mm. within he's like and some of the stuff like I don't know. So a person came into the arcade and was like, "This pinball machine is sexist." I'm like, "Huh?" And he looked at it like, "Oh yeah, this is like 1950s tropes. I
1: mean, gender a lot of pinball machines are, have some issues. I was just I gonna feel, say, like... I don't
3: think pinball machines are like an area of progression yeah. in the world. <laughs> yeah, we don't yeah. Sorry, look to was... the pinball machines for like feminist icons. Like I said, that
0: was that was my reaction. <laughs> the fan just...
3: of the Opera One is also
1: not great. From what Most I recall, of them are pretty yeah. bad.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was my reaction. Just because every time I see pinball, I'm like, ah, it's an old thing. So yeah. I just don't I I, yeah. I never think about it like that. And I'm a dude. Uh, but yeah, yeah. He, but he has I think he has two creature toppers and I was going to see if we could scare you with one. Uh, I'm just glad you've seen it. Yes. Cuz that's it. I can't believe that was some that's how long the creature's legacy
2: Yes uh, had been
0: held aloft like into the nineties he was one of the most recognizable movie monsters ever mm-hmm. he
3: still is yeah. I mean, and that's what's amazing is that Millicent created this monster it's creature's never been rebooted, mm-hmm. it's never been remade. Mm. It's the only universal classic monster that hasn't been wow. um which is weird huh. if you think about it i mean yeah. phantom invisible man right. um all of them have gotten all the big franchises have Van gotten remade. We don't talk yeah. about that. There's uh, a
0: minor one in Monster Squad, but it's not the same thing.
3: No. Well, no. oh, uh, yeah. I mean, that's it's not the creature getting remade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the monster, um, Monster Squad, Gilman is super Which cool. Which
0: is is crazy because I say all the all the time that like um I, lo- I love just the look of Frankenstein and, and Dracula, but like those scenes underwater, They're that gorgeous. a dude wearing a mask in underwater for what feels like three to four minutes, like. Looking at you menacingly. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's something like this holds up as weird and scary right now Mm -hmm. and still looks otherworldly. It's such a fun movie to watch. And
1: what a feat Mm. to be able to design this sort of costume that looks Mm. great in and out of the water. Yeah. Like, how that's a lot of movies now, I
3: think have a hard time achieving that kind of thing. Yeah, Creature's really special because he had to be shot in daylight, which a lot Mm. of monsters don't have to. He had to be in Mm -hmm. and out of the water. Mm -hmm. He really had to be a super versatile monster. And it's, again, it's still... People, even if you haven't seen the movie, people know who Creature is. Mm-hmm. And now we have Shape of Water, which is basically yeah. Creature fan fiction. Right? Mm-hmm. God bless Guillermo del Toro, <laughs> and it really brought the idea of Creature back into the public consciousness, mm-hmm. which is super exciting. So it's and that's, none of that would have happened without Melissa Patrick. That's what I yes. said when it won the Oscar. I was so I happy. Cried. I was so yeah. happy. Straight up cried. Uh, yeah.
0: uh, but again, I, I I can't. I'm I'm disappointed in myself and mm-hmm. society that I didn't know that is. it Could you call it the Creature the first? Monster created or designed by a woman. Yep. Period.
3: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: because some of the stuff you like, you can't definitively say whether she was the first animator, a female yes, animator. But
3: Millicent definitely was the first to, to do this. It was pretty incredible, and it's still like. Again, it still holds up. And she, she, what's amazing about Millicent is she didn't just work on Creature. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, she mm-hmm. did all, all, a lot of other amazing things in her life. She was a, con, what we would call now a concept artist mm-hmm. at Universal. She worked on Universal's first science fiction movie, which is, it came from outer space too. Yes. Which is awesome. So if you're a sci fi nerd, you really need to know who Millicent Patrick is. Right. right.
0: Yeah. And, well, I'm, I'm a big dumb Disney nerd. Yep. And, and she was one of the first female animators and I'm at Disney. Absolutely mm-hmm. shocked. Like that she worked on every theatrical release post Pinocchio. She, was working on.
2: Yep. Mm -hmm.
0: And and I love the way I I meant to look more into that, that you described the, I don't know. I, I, am very versed in that field of, uh, old animation, but like, what is it? The color effects that uh, she was working on?
3: Yeah. She worked in, so on Fantasia, when she, Millis and Patrick started out in the, what was called the ink and paint department, Mm -hmm. which is entirely staffed by women. And a lot of people don't know that. So back in the thirties and forties, when, um, during the hand-drawn animation, uh, what they would do is the animators would animate, would create a drawing, but it needed to be translated onto cells, which mm-hmm. is what was actually shot with the camera. And these cells were teeny, teeny, tiny. They were very slippery, clear, celluloid acetate cells. And the people who inked those drawings onto those tiny cells were women. Mostly, and- yeah and uh they were also all the inking and painting was done and that's where Millicent started and then she got bumped up to being a right. to special effects on Fantasia mm-hmm. where she was color animating which is a technique that isn't used any longer mm-hmm. but you're basically animating with color instead of lines yeah and that's yeah she
0: and i was i was fascinated by that cuz i forget that there were all these special effects departments for things you might consider rudimentary and basic to animation but it wasn't in 1940 in the 1940s nope in the mm-hmm. early 1940s and that she worked on i think both of our favorite fantasia sequences hell yeah a night on bald mountain which yeah. i i just tried i had to cut it out of the halloween oh, showcase because yeah. it's like 18 right. minutes and i was right. so pissed uh but it was it's so jarring i remember seeing that as a kid and everything's like dancy 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 mm-hmm. The devil and skeletons, and I was—I was like—I didn't have your reaction. I wasn't like
2: ooh.
3: I was like fuck. (laughs) What are they doing to me? That's because I'm a goth kid. Yeah. (laughs) And and what was cool is that Bella Lugosi, one of the models for uh, Chernobog, which is the name of the demon, is Bella Lugosi. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like horror on horror on horror, and And that was the so Millicent animated. My favorite animated monster, and also worked on one of my favorite live action monsters. So, so, she's the if you like monsters, you need to know who Mills and Patrick is. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and one of my favorite movies that I don't get to talk about it anymore because it's a short, drunk, racist, and they just remade it uh, Dumbo, which is because uh, I love that you, you like, I, I dig it deep into animation history and you, and you hit the boxes. Like, the idea that, like, Fantasia was this thing they worked on for years. And then Dumbo's like, mm-hmm. dude, hurry and get this out before the war starts. Yeah. Right. And because uh, she might have had a. Better time with it because the only time I hear it sucks that Disney kind of controls its own history, and whenever they talk about early women in animation, it's only in regards to. And then we let women come in when yeah. the boys were overseas, and like, <laughs> and like, but this is all before World War Two. Yeah, this
3: was way before World War Two. And
0: uh and she was yeah she she's not she. She had the credit of first female animator, but she was just she was one of the first females elevated out of the ink and paint room and into the men with, into the room with well, the men. What's men's. funny
3: is she wasn't credited as the first female animator. She mm. didn't get credit there. Uh, the first woman that got credit. On screen, anyway, in a Disney movie, was Rheta Scott for mm-hmm. Bambi, um, but there were women animators working at that time that just n- no one knew about. Right, mm-hmm.
0: right, and it, it's mm-hmm. so weird because I grew up with because Disney's very, very good at celebrating its own history, and they all, the nine old sure. men they'd always trot them out, and like, no, there's a ton of other artists mm-hmm. behind all this stuff. It wasn't just nine dudes, mm-hmm. and uh, and it made me the book you cite um, in your book. What is it, Ink and Paint? That's like that's Mindy the one. Mindy
3: Johnson's in campaign is an incredible resource. For yeah, this sort of like because I,
0: I, it's so weird to me that we're just starting to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You're we,
3: such a guy. I, what? <laughs>
0: what am I supposed to do, Reese? Write it's your book so, for you?
3: It's so weird that we're just starting to talk about this. Welcome to sexism. Yeah, yeah I know. I know. Yeah, but <laughs> welcome it's, to the club. <laughs> but
0: considering how much like. Love and adulation has been spread here. There's all these stories that have never been told. Yes. that's what I think is absurd. Yeah, it's crazy.
1: Well, and the idea that there's not enough room to tell these stories. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel hopefully we should have happened a long time ago. But hopefully we're getting to the point where there is room for everyone in the history. That's yep. like the I, the narrative and the history of things like mm-hmm. Disney and you know the the Universal monsters and film in general is not this pie where it can only be divided up. Nope it can be infinite mm-hmm. and it kind of is like as far as the, almost at the amount of people who worked on these things. And
0: that, that, that credit is weirdo, uh,
1: for everyone. What do
0: you call it? Again, I'm not super smart or well-read. Uh, <laughs> that, that weirdo sexist shift of like that happened in science too, that we developed the stereotype that women aren't animators or scientists and like, they were in like the, the 30s, and then yeah. something happened, and, and a stereotype formed.
3: Something happened. So mm-hmm. What happened? Uh, the 1950s. The 1950s. Like everyone came back from 19- World War Two. Oh, yeah. that's
0: right. The mm-hmm. 1950s. I think that's the mm-hmm. the Great America. All those red hat people are talking about. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that like there were a time like I think you said in the book that like 30 percent of the animation department mm-hmm. was female, which mm-hmm. is higher than the percentage of it- modern animation departments. Yep, which is crazy.
3: It is Mm -hmm. absolutely crazy. Yeah, there's this weird myth that like, if women women are trying to take away your table, we just want a seat there, Mm -hmm. right? You know, and Mm -hmm. it really is amazing that people. There's a and there was a lot of pushback when I started working on this book. You know, there people are very upset that the idea that a woman designed this monster. Mm-hmm. Really? You know, yeah, because they're like, oh, well, she didn't do everything. I'm like, yeah, I know she didn't, but she was fucking there. Yeah. She was part yeah. of it. That's the, that's the whole point. Yes, yeah. there's Jack Kevin, Chris Mueller. There was a lot of people who worked on this monster, but she was there too. She mm-hmm. was had one of the most important parts of it. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to take away everything else from Chris Mueller and Jack Kevin. I just want to make sure Millicent has a seat at that table.
1: Right, and going forward too, that there are... We don't want to take away parts of the table. We just want to take the place of mediocre men. Yeah, right? <laughs> like, and actually, hey, hey, I'm <laughs> hungry. <laughs> <laughs> looking, making eye contact with anyone in this room. <laughs> but so, yeah, I mean, that idea that this needs to be celebrated in order to inspire more women, mm-hmm. yeah. more non male identifying people to get into these arts. There's room. Yep. There's We're totally ready. Room.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's, it's. Sort of bullshit. And I, this is my, maybe neither here nor there, but you mentioned something about, like, why why is the statistic so shitty in, in animation for fem- like women and people of color? And I remember going to this, like, presentation about, like, um, this dude, he, I think he started writing Superman, mm. Asian guy, mm-hmm. but that, like, it's America that's kind of, like, kind of poo-poo's. Illustration and art. Yeah. Whereas like mm-hmm. most other cultures are like, no, that's considered a valuable skill and a job worth paying you for. Yeah. And here it's just no, there's a lucky couple of slots where people get to make a living doing this. Right. And uh and I guess people hold on to those too tightly and claim credit that isn't theirs and yep. won't mm-hmm. dole out. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. it's just so strange. Mm.
1: One of the things that um as you as I went through the book and like, you know, we get to the part where she's talking, we're talking about the um, the tour that she went on that she just agreed to yeah. cede credit, you know, in order to still be part of it. Yeah. And, you know, you talk a little bit in the book about you are angry at her yeah. for that for a while. And I, I totally identify with that. And I've had that so many times throughout history, you know, reading about women in history who have ceded this sort of credit And you think, how could you possibly do that? Like, this is yours. You made it. And it's kind of, when you look at it in the context of her upbringing, where she was raised by a very difficult man and she had to learn her, this is like a theme throughout her life and throughout the book. And I, and, you know, some of her various romantic entanglements as well kind of bore that out. Yeah, it's just, it's really, it was so interesting to watch that that progression of her always having to... She already knew how to deal with difficult men because yeah. she was raised by one. Yeah. And this is just something she had to put up with.
0: The <laughs> castle made by the most difficult men. I, yeah. mean, I, I had no idea going into the book that, that we were going to touch Hearst. Oh, and, that's another thing. Is, yeah. So Millicent
3: mm-hmm. Patrick grew up at Hearst Castle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and her father was the superintendent of construction there for about 10 years. And so... That's where she started out life, That's which so, is insane. so nuts. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting when I was writing this book, and we all, I think we all have these moments where we're, we see stories in the news and mm-hmm. we start judging these people, and I realized it was like a horror movie. I was like, oh, God, the call is coming from inside the house. Right. I am judging Millicent Patrick <laughs> like I have been judged before. Right. I... Like, I was pulling out these, sh- like, sexist shards that had been stuck in me for so long, and I didn't even realize that they were there. Mm-hmm. And then I realized, I was like, man, when this whole thing happened with Creature, Milson was 39 years old. She'd been working in the hmm. uh, industry for almost 20 years. Yeah. When does she get to take a fucking break? Right. You know, when did she get a chance to be like, you know what? I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this shitty thing happened to Creature. I'm going to tap out. Like, and then I got it. I got her. Yeah. Like. Why didn't I like I was putting all this onus on her and I was like, why didn't someone else step up and say something? Mm -hmm. You know, everyone saw how Mm -hmm. shitty this was. Why didn't anyone help her? Mm -hmm. And it made I think it made me a better person because it made me be kinder to myself and the women in my life and the women that I look at. So absolutely. Like
0: one. How did you because I'm not that part in the book yet where I'm not even at the creature, (laughs) the creature part. But like having to to understand someone's feelings during an event like that, who's no longer with us. Like, mm-hmm. do you have to track down family members who convey, did she bitch about this her whole life? Like I, I'm not like, going to tell
2: you. Oh, cool. <laughs> uh, now
3: you have to get it. I get a very big break in the book and I won't tell you. Why. Oh,
0: sweet. And again, that's what I really like about the book. And, uh, in terms of biography, I remember seeing footnotes. I'm like, I'm not reading any footnotes. I already trust you. Except
3: when they're they're bad jokes. Yeah, and that's
0: where you put all the fucking jokes. And like like everything else is like ju- just the facts with with some humor in it. But then the, the, all the footnotes are jokes. I really like that. I'm yeah. sorry, I haven't seen that yeah. before.
3: Well, I real it's one of those things. Like talking about stuff like this isn't fun. It's not. You seem easy. like you're having fun. I was. I mean, I was also pr- drunk when I wrote a lot <laughs> of this. Book, but, uh, but it's one of those things where if you don't laugh you're gonna cry yeah and it was like I was telling a story to someone at a party and I needed to make jokes to Mm -hmm. alleviate how enraging a lot of this was Mm -hmm. and that's just how my voice is and I the book is very much written in my voice and that's how Mm -hmm. how I talk you know a lot of these behaviors on the part of men in Hollywood have been allowed to continue for so long because people excuse them because they're like oh that's how things were back then Mm -hmm. they're men of their time that's how they're always always were and they don't judge them in that way but no let's fucking judge them Let's make fun of them. Mm -hmm. Let's make a joke and really show people how bad this stuff was because if we don't point it out Mm -hmm. and make fun of it and say and put drag it out into the light of day, Mm -hmm. then it can continue. Right.
0: Yeah. And I I love Tom Hanks' response to that. Like... I was born in the 60s like so was I.
3: Yeah. Like, what are you talking about we like we
0: have
1: the internet is yeah, I'm a Hollywood
0: millionaire too. There's like this no... isn't that's no excuse. Yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean the the rage that you describe in the book and the and, and like is something that I think a lot of us are feeling right now. I've been talking about on the podcast too. I saw a tweet uh somewhere where it was like we all feel like bees are about to come out of our mouth at any yeah. moment. Like for sure. And so definitely putting i mean a putting it into action the way you did by writing a book that's way more productive than anything i've done so far <laughs> with my
3: rage but i don't know but you're on a podcast and you're talking about it that's, that's so, such true. an important thing is to just fucking talk about it and that's yeah. what happened to millis and patrick is well, no one could talk about it yeah right. and,
0: and like how how what was her reasoning for like backing away from credit is she just like ah, oh, this is one There's of nothing many. she could
3: do really mm-hmm.
0: like it, it like but it, most of what, what
3: was she what could she have done
0: i don't know like i guess there's no mm. lawsuit to be no there's yeah. no
3: lawsuit to be made she was a freelancer it's, there was what, no twitter she what?
0: can't go on twitter <laughs> and complain about her, her credit was taken there's no. no
3: what was she gonna do there's no
0: talk show to go on no. um
3: nope
0: yeah it's messed up yeah uh and and again i'm shocked that it took this long for me to find out about it uh but but like I, again i think i like the tone of your book the whole time i'm reading i like i think i can tell you're a podcaster <laughs>
3: Well, mm-hmm. just because like
0: this is like how you tell us like you you keep it's the, very
3: conversational. Yeah, yes, you keep exactly. the, you keep
0: the facts like where they would go in any biography, but you have I love the jokes. I was still I laugh today about like I don't know what you said talking about Bambi the mm-hmm. uh, oh the, the dear girlfriend the dear girlfriend yes. not the zoological term. <laughs> I apologize, dear
2: girlfriend. Yeah. <laughs> <Holden>. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, but like again, oh, and being raised in Hearst Castle, like this had that just that
1: story
3: was amazing. To me. I can't believe
0: it's there was crazy. an extra yeah. weirdo dollop. Being raised in Xanadu, right? A yeah. cost no man can say.
3: Melissa Patrick, I think, is like the Forrest Gump of the. <laughs> it
1: truly, truly. I mean, even with we even without the creature part of her life, which was such a huge life, she still lived lived an incredibly interesting life. I mean, yep. she's an
3: extra in so many movies and right. like a background actress and had all small it. parts on a lot of stuff and all in her all of her marriages yes like her last husband that she had was the original lone ranger yep. what
0: sorry i'm getting there <laughs> spoiler sorry sorry
3: sorry but yeah she's like the forrest gump of the 1950s yeah, it was amazing. really nuts when i started writing this book i mean she would have been fascinating enough mm-hmm. if she had just designed creech mm-hmm. but the fact that she did all of these other things grew up in Hearst castle all this mm-hmm. all crazy marriages crazy uh like uh or all of her job stuff mm-hmm. her like any like the people she hung out with with lots of celebrities being a model like she just had right. this insane life she went from right. being an
0: animator to a model yeah And
3: that's like a whole nother interesting layer
1: to this is the the way her looks played into her career so much. And I Mm -hmm. was just, how did you feel about approaching that part of it? I mean, she was a beautiful woman and that absolutely played into the way her career played out. In good ways and in bad ways. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like if she hadn't been so beautiful, I don't know, like it would have been a
3: very different story. Absolutely. I really wanted to talk about how there's so much gray area when it comes to that Mm -hmm. because Mm. it's so easy to just go on one side or the other. But yeah, Millicent Patrick did get a lot of opportunities because she was beautiful and she also got a lot of opportunities taken away from her because she was so beautiful and Mm. I think a lot of women relate to that where if, if... you are nervous that you're, you've are you gotten something because of the way you look, mm-hmm. but people don't take you seriously because of the way that you look. So you either get to be the sea hag who <laughs> mm-hmm. lives in a cave or you're the gorgeous bimbo who has no thoughts in her head. Right. So I really wanted to show how that affected Melissa in good ways and in bad ways mm-hmm. and gave her... Bumps to her career and halted her career in certain ways because you can't talk about this stuff without talking about it in a nuanced way.
0: Absolutely. Did you mention in the book that she sort of made the conscious decision to like turn glamour or something like that? She wasn't raised in that kind of environment. Oh she yeah. She didn't dress like someone who <laughs> was raised in Hearst Castle. No, uh, that's
3: well. That's what's cool about her is her father raised her, but. Uh, very conservatively Mm -hmm. and tried to hide her figure under these like very drapey heavy dresses when she was a kid. So as soon as that she was, she started working at Disney Mm -hmm. and really, especially after that, when she got, became a model, she went nuts and Mm -hmm. she loved being as glamorous and, uh, fun-looking as possible. And what was cool about Millicent, what really cracked that open for me, was that it wasn't that she was like, oh, I'm going to have the most expensive dresses and the most expensive jewelry and wear all, all designer stuff. She made all of our, her own clothes. <laughs> mm-hmm. She just loved dressing up. Mm-hmm. You know, she wasn't trying to show off her body or her money. She was just trying to have fun because she wanted to express herself. Yeah. And that's right. what's really cool about Millicent Patrick.
2: And, and, and I
1: wonder how that relates to maybe for someone who didn't have a lifetime of career opportunities and she didn't always have a job, she was still able to make her life part of her art at all times. So she was always creating. And perhaps maybe if she hadn't, you know, if she had a steady work or she was the head of a studio, you know, or something at some point, she may not have had that opportunity to channel that energy into yeah. something else you yeah know? she was
3: always an artist nothing yeah. could ever tamp that down for her mm. love which is so so cool she mm-hmm. I, I just love the idea that she really embraced her femininity in this very masculine space of this universal monster shop mm-hmm. i think a lot of horror fans and genre fans that are women grow up thinking all right well i have to blend in with the dude so no mm-hmm. one knows that i'm a guy and i certainly did that like i grew up as a monster nerd, but also a metalhead, mm-hmm. And so I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to dress like Dave Mustaine and then no <laughs> one will know I'm a chick. <laughs> and so I always thought of women's stuff as being weak mm-hmm. and being lame. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I, you know, I saw Millicent Patrick that I realized that, no, it's super badass to march into that space and your heels and your pearls and your beautiful dresses. And you can be just as much of a strong woman mm-hmm. like that as you can looking like a, an extra in a Metallica video, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And that's when I, like in my early 20s, I started wearing makeup for the first time and started like, I still dress like I was an extra in a Motley Crue video, but, <laughs> uh, but a female presenting one. Yes. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and I, seeing, not not to sound shallow, but seeing pictures of her, I, it made me wonder, why wasn't she more of a horror icon? To have someone who looks like a cool goth chick as a mm-hmm. monster designer, like,
3: how did we not know about Sexism. How did we not know? Mm-hmm. We not know? And, I've heard, I mean, again, I got pushback. I started getting hate mail before I even wrote this book. Wow. wow. Before, just when it was announced that I was doing it. Oof. Because people don't want to accept that a woman could do this, and they don't want that her Place in the horror world. Would, mm-hmm. I
0: don't know. That's so crazy. Bad people. That's, yeah, it's a, bad
3: people. It's a very
1: foreign concept to me to not want more information about a thing that you love. Yeah, you don't Why you want to hear a You want to know the truth and the most information about something you lo- allegedly love so much. Yeah. Garbage people. Oof, the worst. Trash Hot, babies. Trash babies. <laughs> yes. I
0: want all my monsters made by men. Yep. I'm, I'm trying to get in their mindset. Hang, mm. on, hang on a second mm. here. Make America great well, again. Monsters are all for men. No, I, I can't get there. I don't understand.
1: That reminds but, me of one of my favorite passages in the book um would you be comfortable reading a paragraph if i I, for you yes okay this is gonna be the
3: first reading i've done on this entire book tour oh my god
1: i'm so excited there's this part where you talk about portrayals of lady monsters (laughs) (laughs) and how i'll read this for you rare they are and how it's just it's so important to have them tell me where to start tell me where to end let me see
3: I've literally not, I'm sorry, for listeners, I'm currently on book tour and I have not been doing any readings. I'm doing an event in Tallahassee tonight. I mm-hmm. will not be doing a reading. I don't do readings. For her, I will do it.
2: Thank Aww. you so much.
3: <laughs> Women don't get to be colossal monsters. Women don't get to fuck shit up. Women don't get to explore their rage on a catastrophic scale on the big screen. At least in a way that passes the Bechdel test. Most female monsters, even outside the horror world, are defined by their relationship to men. Either they've been wronged by a man and now want to take revenge, or they're the bride slash daughter slash mother of a male character, or they're jealous of another woman who has the man that she wants. Even the most famous female monster of all time, the legendary Elsa Lanchester's portrayal of the Bride of Frankenstein, is created as a nameless bride for the monster. Mm.
0: Yeah, a damsel. She looks. I, I was shocked to find that out when I finally saw that movie because you see so many clips of the bride, and mm-hmm. when you see the movie, I'm like, "You you saw it all?
3: Yeah." That's pretty mm-hmm. much all there is in the it's movie. Like, she's like, it's like three minutes. Yeah, and yeah. and
0: just like, is are there? I'm trying to think of good female monsters.
3: I mean, I'm I like, can tell you some, but yeah. they're like, I have to. You have to really pull them out. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I think of Ginger Snaps. you ever see that movie? Ginger Snaps no. is
3: great. There's a fantastic um, Danish film that came out in 2014 called Where, when animals dream hmm. uh with a great female werewolf uh q the winged serpent is technically female <laughs> uh Biolante in the godzilla universe is technically yeah. female what i didn't know that yep hmm. uh she's a plant <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah female this, plants this, this is We're the slim Pickens we get. this you know there's a yeah. female gremlin you know but True. with like lipstick on well I, you know
0: because when i think of i know when i think of lady monsters i think of monster with Charlize Theron because it's just, yes. and it usually right. is a, a serial serial killer of some type. You don't usually get to see like a werewolf mm-hmm. or uh, mm-hmm. an unbridled creature of instinct in, and yeah. in, 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 like personified in a world. There woman. are
3: some female werewolves. The Howling is a female werewolf. Uh, great female oh. v- vampire that isn't overly sexualized is um, uh, in A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, mm. which is a great, great mm-hmm. feminist vampire movie. So there are some out there, but you have to really mm-hmm. dredge for them. Mm-hmm. Mm, the little girl
1: from "Let like, the Right One In."
3: Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, that's great.
2: Yep,
0: and okay. I, I guess that that's part of like, does that does that lead to some of the resentment you found for Millicent? The idea that like, um, if if the credit if she had been more forward about maintaining her credit, like little horror loving monster girls like you would have somebody to look up to or someone to shine a light on a path that you didn't know was possible. Well, that was
3: the problem with what happened to Millicent is that I feel like we've been robbed of a role model for 65 yeah. years mm-hmm. and it took me a long time to forgive Millicent and realize that it's not her fucking fault. Right.
2: You know, I mean,
0: there's got to be a part of her that like she's kind of rising in these male dominated industries further than mm-hmm. anyone else. Like maybe this is as high as I go. It's yeah. the fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And for sure. Yeah, so I, I just, yeah, I was waiting to ask you that question. I didn't know how much rage rage derived from it because that was the only thing that. I, I grew up loving monsters and everything, and I didn't, I never felt ashamed of it. It wasn't, I felt more ashamed for playing games and reading comics than I did for liking nerd. The monsters. Yeah. For, I, I felt more like more of a nerd for that, but I can, I can see how, like, no one in society, other than the Muppet Babies, portrayed liking monsters as a cool thing for girls to do.
3: Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, as a woman, like, it's not a very. It, historically isn't a welcoming place for chicks mm-hmm. and realizing that Millicent Patrick has been there since the fifties was huge mm-hmm. for me. Right. So, so huge. And I think that if we had known about her for a while, people, more women would be able to follow in her yeah. footsteps. Yeah. There was a huge gap. You know, we started to get more female special effects artists in the eighties, you know, and we, I mean, we have tons of them now, mm-hmm. but I think, uh There would be more of them if Bud Westmore hadn't taken away Mm -hmm. Millicent's credit. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that guy's guy's a real asshole. Maybe I should write the like competing book about taking him down.
2: Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Digging all his history. Was was... he like that on every Universal movie? Like just trying to like, no, no, me. I did Yeah, that that was
3: his personality. If you're interested uh, to learn more about him, there's a great book called The Westmores of Hollywood that was written by Frank Westmore. And Mm -hmm. he... Frank Westmore was the fifth Westmore brother Mm -hmm. and he I got a lot of stuff about Bud from him just like straight from his mouth like not from his mouth I guess from his pen. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just like a tell all about how shitty they were Mm -hmm. because they were I mean Bud Westmore didn't spring from a hole in the ground like Mm -hmm. the Westmore brothers were a dynasty of makeup and their father George Westmore does like came up with the idea of a makeup department you know he was the first one to ever do it right. and then he had all these sons who all who followed in his footsteps but mm-hmm. they loved to backstab each other they love to try to take each other down they were very jealous and petty with each other so it was it's hmm. interesting to watch how that monster was formed
1: one might say they were catty uh, with each other a little hysterical maybe yeah maybe <laughs> you just need to calm down yeah, yeah smile more learn to work together
0: Yeah, I don't know I just I've only listened to a couple interviews with makeup artists but the budding makeup artists of that era you're like never even sure you have a real job yet because like this is a new industry so Mm -hmm. maybe you're fighting tooth and nail to hang on to whatever sliver you've carved out for yourself maybe that's how you end up acting so petty it just it's no it was
3: just a piece of shit yeah Mm -hmm. oh he was
0: more so than okay good Okay, good. Then I won't. There are a bunch of great makeup artists that are
3: not. (laughs) Are not pieces of shit. (laughs) No, makeup artists are. It's rare to find a piece of shit makeup artist, actually. Mm. They
0: do have to be very patient people.
3: I honestly, all the ones that I know are gems, Mm -hmm. gems of people. Mm -hmm. But Bud Westmore was raised sort of being like marinating in this soup of jealousy and Mm -hmm. pettiness. Hit hit their. I'm sorry, trigger warning for suicide for listeners. You can skip forward to 30 seconds. Uh, George. Westmore, who was their father, killed himself with mercury poisoning because he was so upset that his son's careers were overtaking his own.
1: Wow. Rip. Yeah. Wow.
0: wow. Yeah.
1: How old was he? That is a special
3: kind of uh, broken thinking. Yeah. 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 There's a, these are broken people, This was, and this was the soup that Bud Westmore mm-hmm. was raised in.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Man, that's fucking awful.
3: Yeah.
1: Well, well, and then to contrast it to... Again, going back to Millicent's childhood and her being raised by also a very difficult father, and she took a very different path. Yeah, you a very, don't very have different to be way a of living. Person.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Just, yeah. it's the old Star Wars thing. You can choose to be a garbage person. You yeah. can choose to be to follow the the light. Mm-hmm. Millicent did. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm.
0: Do you wish she was more aggressive in pursuing? No, threat? no, no. I don't. Mm.
3: I because she wouldn't have been her. Mm-hmm. You know, she had thirty nine. She had been like she'd been working in Hollywood since or, or, like she was twenty.
0: I mean from from someone who has always wanted to create things I I'm here because I thought, uh, well, this is over. I don't have. I'm too old now to do anything like this. So that's that's inspiring for us for the people circling forty. That's <laughs> the thing
3: is, I don't think it's the individual cogs that need to fix themselves. It's the system that needs to fix mm. itself. And right. I don't wish any more work on Millicent fucking Patrick. We mm. don't. Right. Women don't need to do any more work. Mm-hmm. I wish that Bud Westmore hadn't been a garbage person. <laughs> I wish mm-hmm. that Universal would have had better systems in place to fire him or to make sure that he didn't continue working there. I wish that. What they... like
0: what's he most famous for then?
3: I mean, uh, the stuff that he did himself, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. who can say?
2: <laughs> did he really do it or not? Oh, yeah, yeah,
3: that's uh, it. I mean, awful. he went on to work on some really big shows. You know, he worked on the original Monsters. Really? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, but uh, okay, but uh, the other thing I want to ask you about, like, um, is this your first book, of this, the first biography? First book ever. Do you have any advice on where to start for people who maybe want to pursue looking into a figure? Get a library card. Get a
2: library card. Yes.
0: Uh, yeah.
3: I, I would have gone I mean I sort of did go broke writing this book uh, mm-hmm. but I would have gone very very broke if I had bought all the books that I needed to get you know mm-hmm. librarians are the greatest resource that mm-hmm. this country has for for any kind of research don't you you can't write a book with Google you can't mm-hmm. do yeah. it librarians will point you to the kinds of books that you need to read people you need to talk to uh resources that you need to look through databases,
2: mm-hmm.
3: just get a library card. It's free. Yeah, I'm a it,
1: huge fan of our library here. I'd probably go at least once a week. And the great thing, too, about that is that I think with the library system that we have set up, you don't need to travel necessarily if you can't yeah. travel or yeah. you you know are, you don't live in a big city or something like that through interlibrary loan processes, Library of Congress, New York Public oh, okay. Library. The Those resources are still available. The San Francisco
0: Library has a Netflix system for books on your tablet yeah you oh yeah it has like i think they like expire in a week but it like it libby, works like the library news. huh
3: <laughs> we know about libby it's was is is it, isn't libby oh is that what well, it's called overdrive
0: here? oh i don't i don't remember yeah because
3: mm-hmm. there there What's really cool now is that uh I use Libby and Overdrive all the time. They're sort of the same system. Mm-hmm. But they're, it's a digital way to use your library. I get my all my mm-hmm. audiobooks through the library now, mm-hmm. and it's on your phone. It's mm-hmm. amazing. So there's so many resources for like For listeners who are interested in writing a book, like, guys, I dropped out of high school and mm-hmm. college. I have no MFA. I'm not formally trained in anything except animal science because that's what I was going to college for before I dropped out. And
0: that's how we get Dear Girlfriend?
3: Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> and I... I I don't I didn't know how to do this. I had mm-hmm. to teach myself, and I did it through the library. Yeah, because I... You can I, do this, too.
0: I think um, I was a... I grew up as nerdy and going to the library to read more about the stuff I like. And so the internet seemed like a godsend because now mm-hmm. I had all this instantaneous information just at, at, a, at a moment's notice. And then I, I'm starting to notice, like, the information's not filling up as fast anymore. Mm-hmm. It's this giant circle of the same shit over and over mm-hmm. again. I always tell people, like, who... Doing podcasts, like you read the wiki, you are a level one expert. Yeah. Try listening to a movie commentary. You'll bump yourself up to a level two expert. Mm-hmm. Read a book, you become a level three expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is where all the real information is. And mm-hmm. I think we sort of lost that when we write articles about things, or when you read articles about things on the internet, we've taken the internet for granted and we mm-hmm. don't do a lot of serious research because uh, the. just mm-hmm. remembering the passage of like, how do you... How do you look into a human being who died before Facebook? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to be easy.
2: Nope.
0: And it, someone who had a, you know, it wasn't even a real last name, Patrick. Nope. Yep, that's a mm-hmm. spoiler
3: alert. Millicent oh, my Patrick bad. isn't her. No, no, no I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Mil, Mil, the problem for me was that Millicent Patrick went under the seven different names over the course of her life. Wow. <laughs> so I couldn't look her up on the internet because I didn't have those other names. It was like reaching different levels that I had to unlock. And that's part of the reason why she'd been obscured for so long because no one... All the pieces of her life were sort of sewed together under all these different identities that mm-hmm. she had. And you couldn't... that Millicent Patrick was really the only one that there was any smidge of information about. Mm-hmm. She animated at Disney under the name Mildred Rossi,
2: mm-hmm. which
3: is her birth name, but she changed it multiple, multiple times. And even after... A lot of people wonder what happened to her after Creature. It's because she changed her name.
2: Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. got married
3: mm-hmm. and had... Went under a different name after that right. so it was so hard to find all like the little tiny breadcrumbs of her life so you can't and i found found, found that through going in newspaper archives mm. so mm-hmm. but again free yeah free free yeah. you can do this too if you're interested in doing a biography or a non-fiction book you can absolutely do it have,
0: i've literally only done it once in terms of research like go that route and it's mm-hmm. it was much more difficult than i thought i had one small goal i kept reading in like the early days of video game journalism. Like, Mario is more recognized around the world than Mickey Mouse, they say. And, like, Mm -hmm. that's impossible. (laughs) That's literally impossible. Especially in, like, the the late 90s. Who, where did this come from? And that ended up bringing me to a library to, like, just research this dumb wiki quote that, like, Mm -hmm. every article mentions. Like, it it, into a bizarre, like, Hunter Nature magazine. Like, this is is where it goes back to? So, like, finding the source of that quote was mm-hmm. incredibly difficult. Involved me having to physically be in a library, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what—that's part of the cool thing about the book is a lot of it is about you having to physically go places and meet. Hopefully, be fortunate enough to meet somebody who knows somebody, yeah, mm-hmm. who knows Millicent.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I really wanted to show uh, the the process of writing this book changed a lot. Mm-hmm. But I, I wasn't originally going to put my process in there. But I really wanted to show. The devastating effects of what Bud Westmore did to not just her, but to her legacy, mm-hmm. and what better way to show how devastated her hmm. her work and her le- life's work and her legacy were, were by taking readers along that route and showing you, all right, this is what it took to uncover it. Right. This is huh. this is this this is the effects of what he did sixty years down the line, right. forty years down the line, twenty mm-hmm. years down the line. How
0: deeply buried he indirectly made this. Yes, mm-hmm.
3: huh. and directly, and directly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and so that's what. You know that's sort of spraying out of it, and I just wanted to show people what that what happens. Yeah, you know it might just be a moment of anger for you, but it could look look at the butterfly effect of mm-hmm. you know how things could have been different if Millicent had been recognized.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Absolutely. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I I I cannot wait to read more of the book. Sarah's already yeah. read the book. Well,
3: um, yeah, I mean, and I
1: was saying before I pre order the book and Thank actually you. went to LA a couple weeks ago and read it in four hours mm-hmm. on the flight back because it was just, I just couldn't the stop. Turner. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I loved is that it is a co- very conversational book. And so it makes it for, I don't read a lot of nonfiction. I'm more of a fiction reader. Mm-hmm. And so come whenever I do come to a nonfiction book, it's always a little bit of like, Ooh, how is this going to go? But I mean, I really and truly think the best way to be a great writer is to be a great reader. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I first came to know about you through the reading glasses podcast, which I love so much. And it's the first book podcast I ever came across. and It really ignited in me, reignited my love of reading. I grew up as like, we talk a lot about like Mm -hmm. our childhoods and nostalgia is a big part of the podcast. But when it comes to talking about a lot of childhood movies or toys, I don't remember that. I just remember reading. Hell yeah. All of my childhood yeah. memories are basically me reading.
0: Well, the, the internet has had no more devastating effects in my life than on my reading habits. Yeah. It's like, I would say I don't read, but I probably read 400,000 words a day. Yeah. Just yeah. None of that I feel, no, nothing that I feel good about or that I've uncovered any new information mm-hmm. or engaged in a good story anymore. Because like, I, I, I remember I, was, I had the radio and a library card until I was like, I got a driver's license. Like wow. that's all I had.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh,
0: I didn't have a TV in my room or anything. So I'd read voraciously up until I was like involved in the internet for the most part. Yeah. So like uh what I what I did find, if you have any advice on that, because like I find oh, it I do hard does. to concentrate <laughs> on books, just like like a physical book. So what what helped me well, was uh, records. Oh. Because it's something that like it's not the same as having 16 tabs open right? and having access to the internet on the thing you're reading, but it's something you can flip every 30 uh, or 40 minutes. So I read your book. Uh, to the score of the Twilight Zone, and it oh, worked so yeah. goddamn well. Very on brand. Yeah, it was, very very, it, was it was great.
1: Well, that was one of the things I wanted to bring up is that uh, one of when I w- was ready to get back into reading um, a- after kind of a little bit of a hiatus, one of the things that really helped was your Tumblr post that oh. you had written about how you read so much. Yeah, you just read. Yeah, <laughs>
3: That's and it. it was so helpful though because it just made it reading. so clear. No, yeah, not even. I just <laughs> no. like it's just one of those things where you just do it you know it's hard to make anything that you want to do in life you Mm -hmm. just make time for it Mm -hmm. and you just have to but reading is one of those things that's so easily bumped off and by the end of the day you're like oh well i was gonna read today but it's 10 o'clock at night and i'm tired (laughs) but there's so many other spots in your day you know when you're looking at twitter when you're pooping when you're whatever (laughs) like even though i don't condone poop poop reading what really
0: (sighs) This is where you take Especially a Especially
3: not if you're a library user
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
3: Oh, that Buy totally your... explains the
0: plastic jackets. Right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
3: but there's so mm-hmm. many spots in your day where you can get reading done mm-hmm. uh, you know, waiting in line at the at, at the post office. You can read t- ten pages of an ebook on your phone. This is a mm-hmm. bad time
0: to mention the show is brought to you by stamps.com. Oh, okay. <laughs> I this is... <laughs> is it really? No. <laughs> no. Oh, that'd be really funny. Uh,
3: yeah, there's just so many places in your reading and it's interesting you say that about reading glasses, because the spirit of reading glasses with the same spirit of this book is that I wrote Lady from the Black Lagoon wanting it to be really accessible to everyone even mm-hmm. if you don't like nonfiction. I did not want this to be a dry book even I don't not want this I didn't want this to be a book that you can't read if you don't love monster movies or mm-hmm. horror or if you've ever seen creature yeah. and we started up reading glasses because we wanted to talk about reading with people no matter how many books you read no matter if you're a comic reader an ebook reader an audiobook listener a mm-hmm. print book lover uh, if you love romance novels or westerns or horror or literary fiction or poetry we wanted something that was good for everybody mm-hmm. and that's really what kicked reading glasses into gear for us was just like talking about reading itself. Mm-hmm. And it, we hear from a lot of people that are like, "Oh, it made me like reading more because I wasn't, didn't feel judged." Right. You know, it's so easy to open a book and be like, "Oh, I haven't read a book in so long. I feel really guilty about it," mm-hmm. but that's fine. Mm-hmm. You're a reader if you read a book a year. Mm-hmm. You mm. you don't have to be a super reader to like be considered bookish. It's okay. That yeah, it is yeah, when absolutely. I
0: when I do crack a book and I feel like I'm reading too slow, I start to judge myself I'm like don't I'm, yeah. just, I'm just an idiot. No, <laughs> I gives a shit. Yeah. It's fine. It, yeah. it's just one of the, it's just one of those things and again, I think it's being in a connected world like everything else I can watch a movie upstairs right now and still have my phone out whereas mm-hmm. like carving out time to just focus on a book mm-hmm just seems to become harder and harder the more connected we get
1: that was like when you talked about the record Mm -hmm. listening to a record that was like one of the things that helped me when I first started really getting back into reading again because I think I'm on like my like eighth book finish of the year so far which is like really awesome I mean I'm I'm just naturally a pretty fast reader but one of the things I'm eight issues
0: into Immortal Hulk is that the same thing?
1: Yes (laughs) Um, but one of the things that helped me is set a timer on my phone Mm. for like 30 minutes and be like you
3: just have to read for 30 minutes and it doesn't matter how long you've yeah exactly the record does the same thing for you Mm. and yeah that's and you can easily carve that 30 minutes Mm -hmm. out of all the other shit you do during the day Mm -hmm. especially even just social media Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know if you have an iPhone sometimes now that you get that horrible thing at the end of the week where it's like your iPhone uses is up 17% Oh. Seventeen <laughs> percent this week. You've spent four hours per day on on oh, your phone. Scary, and you can easily carve thirty minutes out of that mm-hmm. for reading. For yeah. even mm-hmm. if, it, and also be try an audiobook. You know, you can. I love to clean the house to audiobooks. I walk to audiobooks. Well, it,
0: it's weird. Like, were you reading those articles about like millennial exhaustion from a few m- months ago, mm-hmm. or just mm-hmm. like the idea Burnout. that like if I'm not doing multiple things at the same time i'm not being productive and i think Mm -hmm. that that's been hanging over me ever since i got into like this whole content creator business like i'm not doing enough so if i'm playing a video game and listening to a podcast that feels like a more economical use of time Mm -hmm. and i and i i I think i need to get rid of that like carving out time to like actually enjoy something uh, on its own because i mean doing it just like i'm playing a video game that was scored by an like a hundred piece orchestra while i Listen to improvised comedians, like that's kind of a shitty thing to do to people who bothered to orchestrate the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, spend some time with this one product, focused on that thing, and yeah, being an ADD kid, that's not easy to do, especially with all the internet temptations out there. But, uh, but your yeah, phone somewhere else. Yeah, that's what I. Well, that's what I do now. But I, yeah, I leave the phone out of the podcast room just so i'm not tempted to look yeah. at it during a show
3: it's a, i i what i need to do and i work on doing is looking at my phone as a tool instead of another limb yeah you know as something that to pick up instead of something that's i'm constantly on and it's hard you know mm-hmm. i am a filmmaker i'm a podcaster i'm a writer mm-hmm. a lot of my work is on email social media mm-hmm. you know i can track the like that's what's crazy about having stuff like squarespace is i can when I make a funny tweet that a lot of people retweet, I can watch more people go to my website and hopefully some of those people have bought my book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then I can it's easy to lie to myself and be like, Oh, you should be on Twitter more. Mm-hmm. But no, I don't really have to do that. Right. It's okay. It was very right.
0: relieving when I finally said that to myself about Twitter.
3: Yeah, I don't yeah. Have Specifically. To
0: do this. Oh, I'm miserable. Yeah.
3: <laughs> if it wasn't for
1: our great laser time community, I think I would probably be done with Facebook. Probably, it's yeah. really hard at the end of my rope with that one. Yeah,
0: yeah. It gets weirder all the time. Yeah. There's still, and there's still, I don't know, there's still sanctity in books and, and just in general, like, yeah, take a, consider it like a, not a deep dive, but a medium dive into something and like yeah. really, really focus on something. And
1: it, it feels good. It feels mm-hmm. like a meditation because I remember there's a New Yorker article that came out a couple of years ago about for uh, soldiers coming back from World War One who are suffering from what they called shell shock at that time. Mm-hmm. One of the med- like when the prescriptions they gave them was reading fiction, because it helps with
2: hmm.
1: clearing your mind and putting you in a different place. Yeah. So for people who suffer from a lot of anxiety, like I do, and are, have struggled you, with depression, Steve that's what run, fiction runs the stack up,
0: me. it's a charity, it's a it's a game and media based charity for soldiers. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, to be able to get your mind off the horror of your work, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, the book is swell, dude. Thank you. Um, it's it's, thank you so much. It's really really neat. Mil- uh, the lady from the Black Lagoon, and you can hear you on uh, reading glasses every week.
3: Every week, Every damn week.
0: Mm-hmm. All right, you ready to read some more? What? <laughs> do Wait. some more.
3: What? what am I doing? You're
0: going to your reading. Oh, I'm <laughs> yeah, not, not here. No, okay. don't
3: worry. <laughs> I'm not. Here. I don't. I don't do reading.
0: So I want you to read. I want you to read this letter from my aunt.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> I, <laughs> that I will do. I cannot that's, read her handwriting. It's not my name. own writing. I'll read it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah.
0: Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a fantastic read. And I, I I really loved Forrest Gump of the 1950s. Mills, yeah.
3: Mills and
2: Patrick.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it hurts me to have seen this woman go unsung, having her hand in so many things that I genuinely love and, and so many people revere. And it's a really cool thing you did. Uh, Thank you. Telling your story and bringing it to light. And again, in the book, you sort of have like, it's not, I wouldn't call it two stories, but I love your journey mm-hmm. <laughs> along, along with uh, finding out stuff mm-hmm. about that. Because I've Thank always you. been, as someone who, keeps upping his creative ante and like, could I do this? And you like, could totally you, do it. Yeah, there's a little, the process there, you demystify it. Like, yeah, mm-hmm, you get... Yeah, you get...
3: I don't I don't like the smoke and mirrors, the,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, everyone, you have to have an MFA to be a writer or mm-hmm, you have to do mm-hmm. all this fancy stuff and be, live in New York and do all, <laughs> no, you don't have to fucking do that.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, really cool.
3: Do you have
1: any other projects in the hopper that you're working on?
3: I'm working on three books right now. Oh! Exactly. Three? Oh! Yeah. God.
0: I can't even That's finish so one. That's so
3: exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I'm stupid. I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a masochist. Uh, my movie is out in theaters right now. If you want to check that out, you can listen to Reading Glasses every week. What movie? Week. Uh, I am a producer for a film company called Dark Tunes Productions. You
0: never mention your
3: movie. I have a movie in theaters and it's coming out on VOD this month. It's called Yama Song, and it is like Dark Crystal meets Princess Mononoke. It's a live-action puppet feature what? with <laughs> with Nathan Fillion, Whoopi Goldberg, George Takei, and uh, listen oh to man. how
0: casually you mention this. It's like again, now you're the Forrest Gump of a movie I didn't know about. It has all my favorite things. You have Captain Malcolm Reynolds and a Dark Crystal spirit. Jill yeah. Success. God damn, that sounds really cool. Thank what's you. it called again? Yama Song. Yama Song. And it's in theaters now?
3: Yeah, it's in select theaters across the country for uh, March and April, and then it's out on VOD at the end of April. Oh,
0: that's so cool.
3: Yeah, the Dark Crystal comes up a lot in this room. Oh. So <laughs> you really kind of said the magic words just now. Uh, well, what's cool uh, so Toby Froud, who's the baby from Labyrinth, was our executive producer, and then Jim Henson's daughter, Heather, is our other executive producer. Wow.
0: I was gonna say that was the last biography I read was the Henson biography, and uh, yours is much funnier. Oh, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, Mallory O'Mara. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on Laser Time. Yeah, check out you. check out uh, Lady from the Black Lagoon wherever you get books, and uh, the Reading Glasses Podcast, and Yama Song coming soon to VOD. Take us out, Black Lagoon theme. <laughs>